Welcome to Apocalypse Campfire Radio in the tale of two cities that is Los Angeles. Soleil shares what she would grab in a potential apocalypse with natural calm and common sense that she would want on her end of the world team. Soleil is president of the UCLA Latino Alumni Association, also known as EULA. Yay, she's my first female guest. In true apocalypse mode, the session was captured remotely. I love to start off with this question. If you had five minutes to flee, what would you take with you? Definitely cash, because I feel like we would be in a cash society. Something to barter with, right? Small Uh, bills, right? Small bills. I would take, which I don't have here and I kind of regret it, but I would take my motorcycle helmet. Do you have a motorcycle? I don't, but I used to work at a motorcycle company. And while I was there, they gave me the option to learn how to ride a motorcycle. So I was like, yes, in case of the apocalypse. That is why I learned it. I'm a big fan of Resident Evil. I need to watch that. (laughs) I haven't seen that yet. Mila Jovovich, who plays Alice, she just zips and out of cities on a motorcycle and when I watch zombie movies what always happens people are driving in cars and then they get stuck because there's just a pileup so motorcycle exactly so then (laughs) you would have a helmet so that you can go find a motorcycle and you don't have to worry about a helmet anymore yeah and I don't have to worry about like zombie splash or something or in this case COVID splash I don't know it's true. A helmet actually would be great, I think, in, if you have to go <laughs> shopping. I wish I had one, for sure. Yeah, I have it at my parents' house. That might be my next trip. How long ago was that that you saw Resident Evil or that you wanted to learn to ride a motorcycle at the place that you worked at? I think Resident Evil movies started maybe in like mid-2000s. I could be wrong. Maybe it's earlier. The first Resident Evil film came out in the early 2000s. I worked at the motorcycle company in 2013. So it was already in my mind. I was like, I need to learn how to ride a motorcycle. It wasn't the one in Burbank, is it? The motorcycle company? No, uh, it's located in El Segundo. So then is there anything else that you would take with you? Or are those really it? I think I would take my hydration pack. Like I have a platypus. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Describe it though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I know exactly what that is. I have it like right here. Let me grab it. If you put this in your backpack, it will. Have you used um, it? Yeah, when I go like hiking or bike riding, but it carries up to three liters, so it's a lot of water and um. It has this little like spout, so when you put it on your backpack and you're walking, you can just drink it. Nice. Do you have to do anything? Like, do you have to clean it or anything, or is it fine because it's just water that goes in there? Yeah, you definitely have to clean it. So I made that mistake for my last one. Is I was like, whatever, it's just water, but it gets kind of stale. I don't know the process or like what happens biologically, but it does get stale, and um, I think it breeds bacteria too. Maybe mold. Mold, yeah. So you have to clean it out. I think they recommend replacing it every couple years. Oh, that's Uh, a long time. mm -hmm. And they're not cheap, too. They are. So you could have that on the motorcycle. And if you get thirsty. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, with my backpack, right? Ideally, I would have my backpack already ready. 
with my platypus, cash, or whatever identification. I don't know if planes would still be going. Do you need your passport in an apocalypse? I would take mine. I've got it on my list of things that I need to take. I started to actually try to put some stuff aside just in case I need to leave town. If things go really crazy here in LA, I might need to skip town. I started just putting stuff by my front door and now I have it in a suitcase because I think I would try to take my car. Yeah. Um, it's a big suitcase though. So <laughs> I wouldn't be able to just, you know, like hike, I don't think for very far. No, there's no way. That's a good idea. I'm putting it like a suitcase or like I have my backpack in like duffel bags. A backpack makes sense for sure. So I've got my passport inside the suitcase that I have, but I might try to downsize, maybe have a backpack with the like most essential things and then my suitcase if I have extra time or something like that. Think of it like you going on an airplane in general. You have your carry-on and then you have your check-in luggage. For my carry-on, I always do my backpack because I don't want to deal with putting stuff in the overhead bin. I'm not that strong, so I always <laughs> rely on people to help me put it in the overhead bin. I'm just going to forget that mess. So something you can definitely handle and carry. Is there anything else in that backpack then? I would probably put snacks in there because I run through energy really quickly. So I need granola or potato chips. I don't care. Like I'm just dumping non-perishable food in there that like will help me sustain because will there be food during the apocalypse? So you said that you burn energy. So does that mean you have a high metabolism? Yeah. How do you know that you have that? Is that because you get hungry quickly and you don't gain weight or something? Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> I'm always hungry. Like, maybe I should see a nutritionist, but <laughs> that's for after COVID. Yeah, I'm always hungry and I've been the same weight for, like, I'll gain maybe plus five pounds at most, but I've been about the same weight since high school. Wow. So much jealousy. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then are you envisioning if you have five minutes, you actually, you're grabbing this stuff and you're throwing it in your backpack and you're throwing it all in together and you're just like running out the door. Yeah, pretty much. I live in a studio, so there's not a lot of space here anyway. So five minutes in my mind is like, I need to go to the door, grab my backpack, grab my money, and then just work my way to the kitchen and then leave. That's kind of nice because you're in a studio, you don't have to worry about what room is it in. I have to run to this room. I have to run to that room. It's kind of all there. So this list was actually on my refrigerator. My roommate had it up and it just goes over like, if you have an hour to evacuate versus 30 minutes versus 15 versus five minutes. Oh man. So I thought that was really smart to have a list because, you know, in the heat of the moment, I might not be thinking of everything. No, I think that's a great idea. I kind of want that list. Yeah, I can certainly send it to you. I have kind of just like a scanned copy, but I think I was trying to like retype it out just to have like a clean copy to share with people. Yeah. <laughs> Passports is definitely the five minute one. Wallet or purse. Medication. Um, oh, didn't think of that one. Yeah, it also says shoes and jacket, which I think is interesting. Wouldn't you go out with that anyway? <laughs> In LA though, I might not though. I might not think of that. If it's like sure. warm during the day, but then it might get cool at night. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I know the weather is so unpredictable. I have a windbreaker, so I'd probably take that. 
And I have one of those thermal REI type of brands where it's like you have the really warm one and then you have the windbreaker. Like Uniqlo or all those guys. Yeah, Patagonia. North Face. North Face. North Face, yeah. Got it. Yeah, I invested in the, like a really nice North Face last year. And I was like, okay, this is my one jacket for like the next 10 years. <laughs> so Leigh also works at a nonprofit organization. I was always on the road going from meeting to meeting, just interacting with people and networking. So we actually had a food and wine festival and obviously that got canceled. So we were working just nonstop on making that happen. And the shock of just all the events leaving, I'm like, okay, well, what's my purpose? Even on the UCLA slide, same thing. We had events coming up. We were planning our big gala in October. We scrapped all that because everything is unknown. So working in this like unknown space of how do we still interact with people and bring people together has been really interesting. And I think we've adapted pretty well. When I first started as president, I put us all online in the way that we interact. Like, see, you guys learned something before, <laughs> before the pandemic to like adapt. I put it on my goal list for this year just to make three meals a week at home because I was just going out and buying takeout almost every day. Are you like, meeting that goal right now? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Who knew that this is the way the universe would be like, well, you got to stay home and cook for yourself. I was just like buying lunch out a lot and just spending a lot of money just on that alone. Yeah. And nothing fancy, you know, just because I needed lunch. I also wanted to eat more fish. So I just buy those huge like frozen salmon fillets. I feel like I'm eating way better now. <laughs> No, Maybe more wine, but that's fine. The alcohol intake has definitely increased for me. <laughs> I've been pretty consistent on just like going through like a bottle a week, but I'm not one to really drink. Same. Um, I tell people I don't even drink unless it's the apocalypse. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like maybe champagne at a wedding. My rule is I won't say no to champagne. That's sort of been where I draw the line. Normally, I just, I don't drink. You know, I don't have a reason. I've been around a lot of folks who struggle with alcoholism. So for me, it's like triggering. And I see folks make memes like, oh, we're just going to drink away the whole thing. And I'm like, man, we're all going to walk away from this being alcoholics. And that's so unhealthy. But now that I'm drinking a little bit more and not excessively, like a glass a day, it's also changed my mindset of like why people do it. Like, I don't think I have that type of addictive personality to understand like, how can you drink a whole bottle in like one day? It doesn't like register with me, but it's like, it is like a soothing kind of comforting thing in some ways because my sleeping pattern has just gone off the roof and sometimes alcohol will help make me like drowsy. And so I'm like, okay, bye. I can go to sleep now. But for others, I know it can go a whole different way and I've seen it happen in person. Someone that I used to hang out with when I lived in San Francisco, I think he's alcoholic. And the only way I found out was years later after I moved away from San Francisco, he called me one day or he was like texting me and then he called me. And I realized that he was getting drunk as he was like talking on the phone with me. And it would happen each and every time. And then I realized I just don't think I should talk to him on the phone because I think it's making it worse. Like I think he was using the alcohol as a social lubricant so that he could talk on the phone. And I just feel so bad. I have no idea how he's dealing with this right now. I feel so bad for people that are alcoholic or you know other situations too. I don't have alcoholic tendencies, I don't think. 
and I normally am rejecting it anyway. So I, I figured that the alcohol is a great way to help encourage people just to stay in. And that's kind of partly why I think I'm doing it as well. Yeah. <laughs> in one of our happy hours, actually, you brought up a really good question as a woman, how to protect ourselves, like what to do. And I just thought, oh yeah, that's a really great question because I don't mm -hmm. know if I've looked at it that way. You know, I mean, I looked at it in terms of my apartment, which is really vulnerable because I live on the second floor. Anyone could just come right up to my windows. It's a little freaky if I really think about it, but I've got my windows barricaded with chairs right now and my front door with chairs. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this in the happy hour as well. My neighbors downstairs are these two really nice guys. Our walls and our floors are extremely hollow. So I think if I screamed, they would probably hear it. So that's kind of what I'm banking on right now. Soleil showed me her brand new can of pepper gel. The pepper oh, gel, is it the, the same one that you gel. have? Uh, let me go get it. Let me see. <laughs> the Magnum 3. Yeah, I think that's exactly the same. <laughs> I would put this in my to-go bag, by the way. So nice. This yeah. would be my weapon of choice. Although I need to figure out how to open it. It's like bulletproof right now. Of course, I had to bring out my taser. This is a taser that I bought online. You know, as far as I know, it works. I've been wearing this when I go for my daily walks in my neighborhood. And it has a little holster. You just like put this on your belt. Yeah. And I tried to make it not really obvious, but accessible at the same time. Imagine walking around like, don't mess with me. I have a taser. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't want to like invite trouble. You know what I mean? Bring it. Bring <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked a little bit about your work and how that's been affected. You know, things have gone virtual, right? And, and you're so happy that you trained people prior to the pandemic, it sounds like, mm -hmm. which must be really affirming. It's like, yeah, see, that's the power of digital. You can do it from anywhere. But in sort of your own kind of like daily life, are you finding anything different? Do you see your neighbors more or less? So I've lived in my apartment for six years. There's just some housing projects where you're blown away by how much they cost. Just like when you drive around, you're like, oh, that's really ugly. <laughs> I do see my neighbors, my window faces into the courtyard. So I see people walking back and forth, pick up their mail or leave or what have you. So I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that person was a neighbor or even lived here. You see everybody. Yeah, I see everyone. And I think the first week I felt like I was just being like neighborhood watch quarantine. I'm like, why are they outside? Go inside. Who is that? Don't invite your friend. And I was texting my manager because he lives on site. And he's cool. And I'm like, tell him to go away. Like they're bringing germs here. <laughs> That's cool that you can text your manager like that. My landlady is not cool. So my manager, I think he's in his late 30s, but he's pretty cool. So I'm like texting him like, what are they doing? Like leave. My neighbor across the way, I don't know what she does, but her and her boyfriend leave like every morning and come back in the afternoon. I know that she's like a seamstress or maybe like a, I don't know what, but I'm like, where does it go every day? Stay home. Like, I know you're not an essential worker. I know you're not a doctor or a nurse or, or maybe you're making, I don't know if they're doing like face masks, but. Oh, maybe, right? I think they're doing like they're exploring the city because they'll walk out with their little day packs and then like their little hats. Earlier today, I thought I heard someone come into my neighbor's apartment. I was like, who is that? It might have just been the gardener trying to talk to them or something, but uh -huh. I'm totally suspicious. I will say I have been tempted to drive around because if I need, if I really need a break 
And if I can't take a walk because it's, you know, dark outside or something, I always thought, well, I could always take a drive. It's just me. Yeah. These are clear. I've had friends who have done that, who have gone like up the coast, up to Malibu and then come back, or they'll go up to the observatory and then come back down. But do they live together or are they going by themselves? So they live together. I feel like safety and numbers works out in that space if you're going to drive, you know, around. In case yeah. you have another car and you're stranded. Because I don't know any of my single friends who are just driving around like, I'm just going to go everywhere and like do this by myself. <laughs> like, no, it's not happening. But yeah, I haven't even like gone out for walks in my neighborhood. My boss at one point was like, let's all go outside and take a walk and be on this call. And I'm like, my neighborhood's not safe. I do not want to be distracted. You don't want to be like on the phone when you're having to deal with whatever could be out there. I mean, I only did it once. It wasn't a work call. And it was just like a really casual call that was like maybe 20 minutes long. And I was like looking around. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, that probably wasn't the best idea even, just that. When everybody else is taking walks. Yeah. Usually I wear like a big hat for a couple of reasons. One, for sun protection, because I know the sun ages your skin. So I've gotten yeah. like really paranoid <laughs> about that. Two, for the virus protection. Three, so people don't know that I'm Asian. So racists can't attack me and like blame True. me. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's real. Yeah. Like we live our lives based on our identities. Even for me, that's why I don't want to go out. If I get kidnapped, who's going to care about a Hispanic woman who got kidnapped? No one. Will I make it on the news? No. I actually wanted to ask you about, because I'm hearing that communities of color, people of color are, are being sort of disproportionately affected by all of this, right? By, mm -hmm. by the virus itself. What are your thoughts on that? You're president, right, of the Latino Alumni Association? Mm -hmm. Which, by yeah. the way, got the UCLA Network Award of the Year <laughs> last year. We did something. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of reports yet for Los Angeles for how communities of color have been affected by getting the actual, like getting COVID, right, and being hospitalized. But I know in New York, it's affecting, and I think Michigan too, it's affecting more minorities for sure of getting the disease. And I don't know if it's because of access to healthcare, access to testing, or if they're waiting, or just even years of having like comorbidities and not having adequate services to treat or just even be able to handle whatever you may have had, like diabetes, I know you're highly at risk. What is a comorbidity? For instance, if you have cancer right now, you that's a comorbidity that would make you more vulnerable to catching COVID and also dying from it. So when you hear on the news of folks who have compromised immunity, for instance, one of my good friends has cancer right now, but her husband's a doctor. When he comes home, he has to strip down, take a shower, and then be on the other side of the house. Like no interaction because she's going through cancer treatments right now. Like anything to keep away any type of opportunity, I guess, for the virus to just infect her because it's over. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's called RVs for MDs. No, I was going to ask you about it. These owner of our RVs, they're not using these RVs, and they're just completely volunteering the use of these RVs. Oh, so that's that, awesome. Yeah, so doctors, nurses, other types of medical personnel don't have to bring the exposure home. You know, there's RVs, but there's also some people that are volunteering things that are not exactly RVs, but almost like an RV, 
where if you have not as much space on the street for an RV, you can have maybe something that's like more compact. Even if it doesn't have a bathroom, like maybe, you know, it's just a matter of he goes in to the house to use the bathroom and then he goes back out just to kind of limit that exposure as much as possible. I can actually share probably the group or the page with you. There should be a form in there where they would basically just kind of apply. I come in sort of later as a volunteer and I help match people with owners of RVs. And I guess he would apply if he's a medical provider. And I was reading about other like, um, like Airbnb, some hosts are offering their Airbnbs to medical folks, but it's just scary because you don't know when you're on the front lines, like how it will affect your family. I know my cousin, her husband works for a service provider that does internet, I won't say the name. He wasn't getting PPE and he has to go inside people's homes to make sure that their internet connection still works. And he has diabetes. And so she was freaking out. What if you catch it? And, you know, you die from it because folks with diabetes have a higher risk of also dying from it. That freaks them out. And he was like, it's not worth it. So he, he didn't quit, but he said, I'm not going to do it anymore. And they yeah. haven't fired him. So that's good, right? For now. <laughs> yeah. As careful as you might be as someone that has to do that kind of work, you never know how, I'm sorry, but like how idiotic some people, some members of the public are. You can even tell them, look, I need you to stay six feet. But who knows? Like, they're not, you know, <laughs> they're not going to do it. I mean, because no. you never know because you're dealing with the public. So, yeah. Our organization that I work for serves mostly underserved, low-income folks, mostly Latino folks. It's just really amplified how there is a lack of resources to the community um, in areas that we serve, like Watts and South LA, in Wilmington, where I actually grew up. Just getting access to food. I think it's hard, especially if, say, you're a single parent and you have two or three children in the home. Like, do you bring all these children to the grocery store and potentially get them infected? And that takes a long time just to be able to get them ready and then even just like going out. And if you can't have people helping you with the children because of social distancing, like, how do you go out and get these groceries that you need? I feel like not long ago, people were saying most kids don't have symptoms. They don't really seem affected even if they have the virus. But I'm also saying we don't know the long-term effects. That's hard. Or if they're carriers and give it to their grandparent who may be in the home that's taking care of them or an older foster parent. But I'm thinking back to your comment about, you know, your neighbors thinking like people shouldn't be having people over or they shouldn't be going out and, you know, sort of going out unnecessarily and things like that. If you could introduce who you are and sort of like what oh, you yeah. stand for. So I'm Soleil. I identify as female. I also identify as a Latina or Mexican-American, first generation to go to college. I would say socially driven, socially conscious driven. I work in a nonprofit and I also have a background in counseling. So I'm very big on making sure students have access to higher education where I originally started my career. I feel like most of what I advocate for is just social equity, well, even capital equity, too. And I think living in Los Angeles, it's definitely a tale of two cities right now. 
And it's really tough. I work under development right now. And on the fundraising side, you know, when you go to these mansions in Beverly Hills or Brentwood, and in the same day, you're going back and literally in one day, I remember like giving diapers to a family because they can't afford them. And also going to a donor's house who lives in Brentwood and it's dizzying and really soul crushing also. That's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because of being in this role, but I think people are starting to wake up finally. Soleil told me about some problematic practices, the mechanics of corporate greed. You know, that bailout money is coming from our tax dollars, right? To bail out this company. They also announced that they are reducing people's pay or asking them to take a, a temporary leave or like they will nominate themselves to like be fired, I guess. Is it like a furlough? Also like retire early. There's a whole bunch of other options. It's like, no, we're not saving jobs. Especially if you work at this company, you're getting screwed twice, basically. Honestly, I'm a little clueless about how all that works. So I feel like gradually I'm learning. I hate the idea of like anything or anyone with too much power. I don't care who you are or where you are. <laughs> you get an alert on your phone. It's actually in the middle of the night. You happen to be sleeping somehow miraculously, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say it's two o'clock in the morning. It tells you, you have two minutes to get out. What do you take? What do you do? In an ideal world, I already have my backpack packed with everything, but I don't. <laughs> you could do it later tonight if you want. Yeah, I'm going to do it later tonight. Uh, I would definitely take my keys, have my shoes on, take a jacket, cash. I would have my purse ready to go, so I guess I'd just take my purse, and then that's it. Just go out, leave. What if? You found out the roads are blocked. <laughs> exactly. Well, my neighbor has a motorcycle. Ride with him? <laughs> Ride with him, yeah, but he has a girlfriend. Yeah, motorcycles have, like, don't fit three people. Unless it does, then it's unsafe. But I also have my bicycle here, so I'd probably... Oh, that's nice. My regular bicycle. Hey, that's something. I don't yeah. have a bicycle. <laughs> I did hear of the, of the idea, though, where... If you can sort of figure out where you would hike if you had to get somewhere on foot. I know, I know. And in Aria, it's so hard. If I lived in the South Bay, it would be a little bit easier. But living up here, there's just so much density. It's like, where would you hide? And I almost feel in that situation, like, why would I leave my apartment? I don't know. Maybe the virus was discovered to be way more contagious or the apartment caught on fire. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then the other other idea that I've heard of is if you could have like a meetup buddy as well. That's another option. You know, and imagine if like cell phone communications go down and you can't like text each other or call each other. Yeah. So there's the concept of, okay, we'll just meet at midnight the day that the cell communications go down and we have this predetermined meeting place, you know, somewhere that's convenient or easy to get to like maybe halfway in between where you guys are or on the way to where you go. Rupert, who's in Las Vegas, he's an interesting guy. He's a very outdoorsy guy. He's also a science teacher. He's also an author. He's a very much like out of the box thinker. He's like, oh yeah, I saw this way before anybody was really, you know, enforcing <laughs> yeah. any of them. I'm like, of course you did. 
he said to me that I should go north. And I need to clarify what he means by that. But he basically said north because of like the wildlife and the plants that I could live on. <laughs> like, oh. I guess he means Northern California. When he was living in LA, he had a meetup buddy, meeting place, and they were going to meet at midnight, and then they would start hiking up towards Canada. I would take the Pacific Crest north. Where's that? It's the PC Pacific Crest Trail, the PCT. And so it starts from Mexico, and there's a trail that goes up all of California and hits Canada. Oh, okay. Not yeah. to be confused with the PCH, PCT. PCT, yeah. What was that one movie with Reese Witherspoon? She did her own backpack journey. The movie is Wild, starring Reese Witherspoon. She did that, like, from that book. Backpackers <laughs> would know about it. Ideally, mm. partner up with someone, somebody that you feel you can trust and that will help protect, right? Yeah. I mean, I have a friend that I'm kind of have an informal, I, I need to talk to him actually about it, about being meetup buddies. I don't know if we're serious about it or not. And he's like way across town. I don't even know if that would be practical. <laughs> no. For me, like my meetup buddy would have to be practical and also cool under pressure. I think this situation has shown me people who don't use common sense, you know, just follow simple rules. Like, that's it. Like, okay, you've shown your true colors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if I can be with a person like my buddy who doesn't like follow the rules or have common sense or also someone who gets overly emotional under pressure. Oh, that would suck. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> Those are like different criteria in my mind of who would I have on my, you know, end of the world team. You see the movies, right? It's like that one hysterical person's like, no, we need to leave. And it's like, the murderers and zombies are like right in front of you. Why would you leave? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what I think was scaring me initially too was that I think I might have made a post or text to somebody. I was like, I don't even know if I'm afraid of the virus or afraid of people right now. I would say I'm probably more afraid of people. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because the lack of common sense is so, even, even people I know, they have no common sense. <laughs> <laughs> like what are you thinking no <laughs> they're like people of color survivalists and the survivalists have everything down I think they've been waiting for this moment <laughs> this is such a validating moment for them right now yeah like I told you all EULA is the UCLA Latino Alumni Association one of our EULA members he called me up and he was like, hey, if you need anything, I got you. I've been preparing for this moment for the last six months. And he's like, I don't know how I knew, but I knew. He has like everything from beans to rice. He just has like large quantities. And yeah, he was like, I just knew, like something told me that this was gonna happen. It's wow. weird. Okay. When you walk in, they have like that fan that like blows on you. And I don't know the purposes of that, but I'm like, what if I caught the virus and it flew in my eyes or something? Soleil made a target run. So much anxiety like going in there. I don't mean to make light of it or anything. I honestly do wonder that some of us may actually have PTSD after this, you know, no, and we'll be true. afraid of people for sure. Even before all this, I feel like I'm more introverted than I really am extroverted. And... Because I've been at home for so long, even going out like on Monday, things were way too loud. Felt 
overwhelmed, like the noise level, people, even prior. I have both headphones for the noise canceling because the open workspace, people are too loud. I feel like the older I get, the less tolerance I have for noise. For me, the older that I've gotten, I, I didn't like crowds anyway. I don't like loud stuff anyway. I mean, unless it's like, you know, like a really animated conversation or something, but like crowds yeah. in general, like crowds, meaningless crowds to me. I mean, they're just that, they're meaningless and kind of scary nowadays. I'm fine with virtual happy hours. I'm fine with having a party that's all online. To be honest. <laughs> like, so, I'm just going to yeah. turn off my screen. I'll be back later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for capturing a moment in time. <laughs> it's nothing else, right? <laughs> nothing else. I'm going to like roll my eyes like 20 years from now and I'm going to hear this. Like, calm down. This session was recorded in weeks prior to the unjust murder of George Floyd as well as the very public response. There is a moment in which I mention my dislike for meaningless crowds, which was not a reference to peaceful and smart action taken. Please be safe, be aware, and be kind. This program is intended for entertainment purposes only. While attempts are made to present accuracy, the show's content should not be taken as factual. If you choose to take any action after listening to the show, the choice is yours and yours alone. 